It's Monday here on the North Shore Drive podcast and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We've talked a lot about the obvious players who Steelers fans should be watching in OTAs as OTAs just wrapped up and minicamp is set to begin. But today, we're going to talk about the not-so-obvious players, the players who are fighting to make a roster spot that you should probably be keeping your eye on as the sneaky new favorite Steeler that could emerge during training camp. We'll talk about that with Ray Fittipaldo on the Steelers. And we got Jason Mackey talking about McCutcheon's 2000th hit and where the Pirates are after their series went over the Mets, all on a fun Monday episode of the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers. We're talking on a Monday. Of course, this show comes on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find all of our written content at the post-gazette.com. You can find all our podcast content on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube. Like this channel if you enjoyed it. So like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your episodes. We also have daily content coming out about Pittsburgh sports all the time from our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette writers. Now. Let's get into something here, Ray. Ray, you and I, we've talked about the obvious rookies, the obvious new faces, you know, the Marcus Golden, who they just signed, the Cole Holcombs, the Joey Porter Juniors, Broderick Joneses, Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington. We have gone over them a lot in OTAs and how what, what players are saying about them, what coaches are saying about them. And that I feel, you know, we, we've, done, we've done extensive work on. But there's a lot of guys in this roster who've been brought in as undrafted free agents or just low-level free agent signings who were veterans in the league who people might not know the most of right now. And I think it's it's more than worth talking about who some of, some of those guys are. And you, in fact, wrote about one. And I think the thing that we're looking at here is these are all guys that right now they just need to look okay. And because when training camp comes, that's when you'll need to show that you that you have a uh, that, that that you have the it factor that's going to make the fifty three man roster or at least the practice squad roster. And you wrote about a guy, Monty the Mullet, talking talking about a guy who's trying to make the team for a fullback coming out of Iowa. And this is Monte Potterbaum, uh, who came to this, who, who's with the Steelers now, working worked in OTAs. But your point is, he still he has to kind of survive until training camp. What is it about him that when you wrote the, your story about him that kind of piques your interest? Yeah, I mean, listen, there, in Pittsburgh, there's some kind of strange fascination with fullbacks, right? Even yeah. though Derek Watt played five snaps a game, everyone wants a fullback in the game when the running game is struggling. So, um, you know, Monty said this, hey, you know, he, he knew what was going on. He kind of knew that the Steelers were in the market for a fullback, and that's why he decided to, to sign with them um, as an undrafted free agent. Now, you know, he's probably the only true fullback in camp. But listen, Connor Hayward, I think we all realize, is going to play uh, a multifaceted role within this offense. He's going to play tight end. He's going to play H-back, and he's probably going to play fullback too. But listen, Potterbaum, if he's good enough on special teams, he'll at least get a good look. And uh, even if he doesn't make it, there have been guys in the past, Rosie Nix, who, who make it on the practice squad, right? And then they get called up. Um, when there's injuries or something like that. So, um, you know, uh, we've talked about this throughout the offseason, Chris. The special teams have almost been completely turned over. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the only holdover 
that I can think of off the top of my head right now. Miles Killebrew, right? Yeah. Um, but Derek Watt is gone. Um, a lot of these other guys who have been core special teamers for years yeah. weren't re-signed. Marcus Allen wasn't re-signed. Robert Spillane. Um, Robert Spillane. But, you know, only Spillane is, is signed by another team. All these guys are still out there. So they're looking for new, fresh blood. They're looking for those guys who are hungry to make a football team. And uh, Monty Potterbaum and others are going to have a chance in training camp in the preseason games to prove to the coaches that they belong. One guy at a, at a specific position on, in, in, on special teams could be really interesting to watch, and that's Jordan Bird. Now, he's at a San Diego State and an undrafted free agent rookie, uh, but he's a 5'9", he's a weighs 170 uh, player who, uh, who runs fast. And, you know, we're not allowed to say what we see at training camp, but he runs fast. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that when people think about Calvin Austin the third you know, there's another guy out there that can do that. And I think Jordan Bird is another one of those guys that you could be looking at as a sneaky, like, hey, what if he actually is that fast and gives you that option so that you can maybe, that maybe you could have him and Calvin Austin as potential return guys and have true speed on the field there. What have you heard or seen out of Jordan Bird? Have you gotten a chance to talk to him? What's your feel on him as his position? Yeah, my feel right now is he's in a crowded position group, right? Because you right. got Calvin Austin third. Um, you got Gunnar Olszewski, who is still around. Um, you know, Anthony Miller is, is still a guy who's who's mm. around, who figures into that slot and uh, potentially punt return duty. So, you know, I think Jordan Bird is going to have to ball out um, to get on the radar. But there have been guys, not only with the Steelers, Chris, but other teams where they just – they come out of nowhere, they make an impact in special teams in the return game, and uh, they find a home somewhere. Who's the name of the guy who had a great camp with the Steelers, played in the CFL, and then the Steelers had to cut him, but then the Broncos picked him up, and he was like their returner for like two or three years. Oh, uh, not Steven Smith because he was just here. Uh, I know who you're talking about because he was he was dropping passes, but he yeah. was really fast. And I, he was I really good, and he, he was he was really good for the Broncos for a couple of seasons. He was he was dressing for every game, and he was. He was making plays for them. So, you know, it doesn't have to be with the Steelers. Deontay Spencer. Deontay Spencer. So it doesn't have to be with the Steelers, but if you can get on the radar by some team, if you put good tape out there in training camp, and there's all kinds of CFL coaches who hang out at training camp, or you can put good tape out there during the preseason games. Um, Even if you don't make the Steelers roster, um, you could hook on somewhere else. So my my take on Bird is – it's really crowded. You know, the, the path to a roster spot for him is probably more difficult than others. But, hey, he can still go out there and, and force someone's hand, I think. I, I think it would be very interesting to see how they, they work that in moving forward because he uh, he could be, he could be like you said, he's in a crowded room. But speed kills. And the Steelers, they haven't had a return man, I think, be truly dangerous since Deontay Johnson was doing it in his in his second yeah. year league in 2019. Remember that return he had against the Cardinals uh, in that game when they really need, needed one. They they're a team right now that man, like you know, with the way that they want to play ball, you know, they're not going to be a team that scores a lot of points. They're a team that you hope scores more points than they did the past few years. Uh, but they're a team that could use a breaker, a guy that gets you, you know, maybe like four or five good returns this year that just at the right point of a game 
he gets you the juice. He gets you like inside the, the other team's 30 or gets a touchdown or two. Those type of things could be, you know, be an asset that Mike Tomlin's looking for. So for both Calvin Austin and uh, Jordan Bird and guys like that, I think that's an interesting position they have right now. Yeah. I mean, part of the calculus for the coaching staff too, is how much value are you going to have on returners now? Because the way the, the kick game is set up with, with the, the new fair catch rule. Um, listen, you know, if, if all you got to do is fair catch, that's not going to, that's going to not make the kick returner as, as valuable. Now there's still value in having a, a game breaker, a punt return. But again, when you're dressing a roster, you know, how does that all fit in? So uh, ideally if Jordan bird would force his hand to make his way onto the team, he's also going to have to be a really good player in the slot and those gadget plays as well. Right. Because those guys inevitably get up, end up getting five or 10 snaps a game. So you're going to have to earn your way um, onto this team. If you're a returner, you're going to have to play receiver too. And, um, you know, Burr's going to have to prove that in training camp as well. Absolutely. We want to talk more about other guys that might be getting overlooked right now. Steal by Steelers fans who just, you know, you're not at the facility. You don't look at the entire roster, but guys that you should have your eyes on as they head into mini camp here. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co. You can buy tickets for your favorite events at on the app that's Game Time. They can make it not stressful and they can make it fast and easy to even buy tickets up to the last minute for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They give you killer deals on last minute ticket deals that you can't find anywhere else. And they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat. So download the Game Time app today. It allows you to book tickets up to the last minute. You can see right where you're seating in the arena that you're going to. You can go, you can you can pick what what, what it is. And when you're looking at it, you're getting flash deals on anything. This is football events, basketball events, baseball events, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go get game time right now. You can snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase, or go to their website, gametime.co. And terms and conditions that apply, create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, talking more about the Steelers before we flip over to the Pirates with Jason Mackey. But Ray, last year, he wasn't a surprise to the Steelers coaching staff because they, they they loved him when they got him as an undrafted free agent. But he was a surprise to everyone who didn't know about this guy in college, and that was Jalen Warren. And he was the guy that kind of came in, and everyone was like, wow, look at that guy. He undrafted, and he's already a good number two running back. He runs hard, and he just inspires. There's so many people that are excited to see what Jalen Warren does in his year two. And he looks thicker. He looks stronger. But what about this year's? Who could be a Jalen Warren this year? They had a new running back in Alonzo Graham, and that's a position where, sure, the one-two punch at running backs probably settled, but that third spot with Anthony McFarlane there, that could be open there. Where do you see Alonzo Graham, or is there another young running back that you might have your eye on to be the third option for the Steelers right now? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point about the running back room. They are firmly established with their one-two, but who's going to be number three? Um, you know, Anthony McFarlane, um, has the draft pedigree, but let's face it, he hasn't really done much since he's been here. This is kind of a make-or-break year, I believe, for his career. And he spent most of last season on the practice squad. I think he may, maybe got called up for a game or two, um, but that was it. So, 
yeah, I, I think he'll have some challengers. Um, Graham is one name to keep an eye on. Um, he, he's been pretty good in OTAs, but yeah, there's there's going to be other guys um, who who are going to be able to uh, sort of get on the radar too. And if I've learned one thing over the years, Chris, about covering Steelers training camp, if there is one position group that suffers more injuries than others in camp, it's always running backs. So you're going to see guys get hurt. You're going to see other guys brought in. Hey, it could be somebody who's sitting on the street right now who gets an opportunity in mid-August to come in here and show what they could do. That's probably the most um, uh, uh, flexible uh, position on the team in terms of guys coming in and coming out because of injuries. There are going to be a bunch of guys who will be vying for that number three role. Right, I feel you on the injury point here. You know, it was – Ooh, what was it? Maybe eight years ago when they ran, they were down to Fitzgerald Toussaint uh, in a in a in a playoff game. It was his yeah. fumble that 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 lost them there. So I do think there's definitely value in guys that are like that. And Alonzo Graham is a guy who they signed out of Morgan State, HBCUs, baby. Uh, but uh, he he's a guy who's coming and he looks kind of quick. And you know, guys are talking. And I'm like, hey, like you know, his his footwork. That's something to that's something that to 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 kind of smile at there. If you're if you're the, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, but there's other guys on this roster right now that that you look around. You know, I I don't want to say that he's in this category because he was a draft pick, and I think that there's a lot of people that think, think that see him as a uh, as a, as a sleeper draft pick, but that's Corey Trice. And normally seventh round draft picks are very much like, will they make the roster? I don't know. Like Spencer Anderson, I think is in that camp just because yes. we don't know what's going to happen there, but there's something different about Corey Trice with his size, his athleticism and how he fits in what the Steelers want him, want the cornerback room to be. What is it about it? Like, do, do you see yeah. him as a definite to make this roster or does he have a lot of work to do? Well, if you remember, a lot of a lot of the draft analysts had like third or fourth round grades mm-hmm. on him. So a lot of times, guys like that, you almost have to take where he was drafted out of this. Guys with that type of size and that type of potential, Chris, sometimes they find their way onto the fifty-three man roster, and they might not dress on game days, but they are those developmental players that you don't want to expose to waivers that you just kind of want to be patient with. So. You know, there's always one or two guys like that. A lot of times it's an offensive lineman. You don't want to expose them because you know other teams know about them, but you're not, you know, they're not ready to dress and help your team yet. So, may, hey, maybe Corey Trice, I mean, he'd be perfect as uh, as a guy on on the outside on re- return game, right? Oh, as yeah. A, as a gunner or as yeah. a guy who um, is on the outside in, in the return game. So if he shows – that if he can get on the field that way, hey, maybe he gets a hat on game days. But I, I definitely think right now, as we sit here, listen, we're not even to mini camp yet. But as of right now, I think he's a guy who, yeah, I mean, he's probably a 53 man roster guy, and uh, we'll see what his role is on Sundays throughout the season. I, I think that's a, that's going to be a big question moving forward. Is you know how how good can he be because. If he is, if he, if he comes into his own as like one of the guys they can bring off the bench and be solid, you know, as a uh, you know as as a as a cornerback, like if he's even like James Pierre a year or two ago, I think that's a win for the Steelers because then again he's a rookie seventh round pick. All he has to do is hang around, and right. the idea uh, the idea of potentially maybe in three years time because you, you figure that Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, one of those two guys, is probably going to be here next year with Joey Porter Jr. But maybe in three years time, 
if the the Steelers one two punch at cornerback were two six foot three guys on rookie contracts who you have the potential to kind of lock up for long term and that way you don't have to worry about cornerbacks anymore. If, if again, it's if Joey Porter Jr. works out, that's not a given. If Corey Trice works out, that's not a given. But the idea of that getting that all solidified in one draft, I think that would do a world of help for this Steelers organization that, you know, is notorious. And one of the big talking points is how they've missed on cornerbacks so many times over the past decade or so. If they could solve it all in one draft, I think that would do so much for what this team's trying to build right now. Yeah. Hey, listen, he, Corey Trice has been impressive as a corner, but remember, I can't remember if it was Grady Brown or Terrell Austin who came in to talk to us after Corey Trice was drafted and they were open. They would say, Hey, listen, he, he might have safety, capability down the road. So, hey, maybe he turns out to be a, a chess piece within your defense. Um, you know, we'll have to see how that develops. But, yeah, two six three guys in the secondary, whether they're a corner, it's safety. You're talking about, you know, recreating that, uh, you know, Legion of Boom type effect that, you know, the Seattle Seahawks had for all those years, you know, when they had Cam Chancellor and a lot of other big and rangy defensive backs. Um, so we'll see how Corey Trice fits. You know, right now I think – you know, he's probably – I don't know if he's in a roster battle with James Pierre, but he's probably in a game day 46 battle with a guy like mm. James Pierre. And, you know, I think that'll be one of those, you know, down-the-line depth chart type of battles that we'll be talking about uh, in July and August. We certainly will be. We'll be. There's a lot more to talk about. Minicamp starts up Tuesday. We'll be there here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's Ray Fittipato. Thanks so much, Ray. We're going to flip over topics right now. Andrew McCutcheon getting his 2,000th hit in front of the home crowd in the last game before they get back on the road here. What the special moment was and what Andrew McCutcheon's legacy is, we'll talk about with Jason Mackey here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switch topics to the Buckos. And Jason, you got to cover a very memorable moment at PNC Park. And there's been some memorable moments, but for a guy like Andrew McCutcheon to get his 2000th hit at PNC Park in my lifetime, I'm 34 years old. I was born in 1989. Of my watching time of under, being able to understand what sports are, Andrew McCutcheon is the most important, important pirate that I have seen in the organization. What was the atmosphere like when he, when he got it on his leadoffs and his leadoff hit and the, you know, the appreciation of that moment? Tremendous, Chris. Tremendous. Um, I covered a Stanley Cup final, and that, that will always be my number – well, you know, until something else – uh, it's tough to beat that one, and it didn't, but it's right up there. And in terms of special moments in that ballpark, I mean, what are you going to put ahead of it? The 2013 wildcard game? It's fair. Um, there aren't many more that, that, that supersede that one. Um, I thought it was just so – it was appropriate. I thought it was appropriate in how Kutch got there and that he took a bunch of walks and stayed within his approach and prioritized the team over himself. But at the same time, the minute he got that, the outpouring of support, the ovation that he got – it was 26-770 in the park yesterday, I believe. It felt a lot louder than that. It was really neat to see McCutcheon acknowledge the crowd. I know personally from talking to him about this how much Pittsburgh, PNC Park, all that stuff means to him. Uh, but it just, man, gives you goosebumps. He does it the right way. He's a good person, active in the community, is the most important part of this franchise in the past 30 years, if not more. Um, and, you know, just means – means good things to so many people, and you can't help but be happy for the guy. 
And you know, he, he's been he's been an example of class in this city. I think that you could say that he, you know, he's not just a talented guy, but he's a person that a lot of people resonate with. Not just being in the community, but knowing how to care, knowing how to carry, like uh, how to have a, a strong voice, uh, and how to be just that likable too. Like you know, yeah. anybody anybody that knows Andrew McCutcheon knows that he's a good a good person. I think it was awesome to get to get that moment there. I, I talked a little bit about this with our our guests on the the final word show on. Channel 11 on Sunday night but like you know yeah sure he doesn't break into the Pirates top five all time maybe not even the top 10 when you consider all the World Series and the great teams that came in there maybe right right I'm not saying that he's I'm saying maybe you might have a discussion there Chris right, right. right. there is a, there is a discussion there but for this generation he is the only pirate that has brought hope with him and I think that that is the biggest thing but let's, let's have that discussion is yep. Andrew McCutcheon a top 10 pirate I I, I, oh, I, I get yelled player. at by old people whenever I say that he should be in that discussion. Let him yell, man. Let him yell. <laughs> yell away. Seriously. And, and, and let's also understand the people making these lists right now, you and me, like we're somewhat younger. I'm 39. In my mm-hmm. lifetime, I mean, I'll put Barry Bonds on that list, and I right. think he should be on it. I think he's mm-hmm. an elite player I agree. I agree. regardless of anything that happened. Um, but who else besides Bonds? In our lifetime, who else besides Bonds matters to this franchise? And I I would maybe even argue, because of the way it happened, because of the dearth of possibilities around him, McCutcheon might be more important than Bonds. I'm not saying McCutcheon is a better player than Bonds. That would be insane. I'm saying more important, matters more to a fan base. Like This is the the equivalent I would use, Chris. Imagine these past 25, 30 years without Andrew McCutcheon. Imagine what would be thinking right now didn't come along. This franchise is probably in Nashville or Montreal or yeah. God knows where, you know, it, it, it's just in some abyss that like major league baseball has taken over because they've been so God awful, but along comes Andrew McCutcheon inspires hope, does things the right way, sets an example. I know from my standpoint, covering a lot of crap with the pirates over the past couple of years where people get frustrated and you can say things based on numbers or this case or this case, or this might be logical. That might be logical. A lot of people don't want to hear it. Andrew McCutcheon comes along and says, look, I think this team's good. People are like, okay, well, Cutch said they're good. Cutch said they're good. <laughs> like, that's what he means to people in yeah. this city. And, and I don't blame them. Like, that's okay. Um, but he's just so important to this franchise. Easily in the top 10 for me, maybe in the top five. What about you? Uh, I put him in the top 10. I, it's partially because, like, again, for me, like, like you're, you're, you're 39. So, like, when when the when the Barry Bonds Pirates was were happening, you were probably like what, like seven years old or something like that. Yeah, about that. Seven or eight. Yeah, I was so, born I, I was three. I don't remember that. Like I, I was I was a baby, and I I don't and like to me like growing up and then hearing about it after the fact, it's kind of the same thing like hearing about the seventies Pirates. It's like I don't like I know who Barry Bonds is because I got to see him when I was when I was like in my my adolescence, uh, be be a home run king and, and all the stuff that was happening with him with the Giants, but. Uh, like I didn't get to see the Pirates version of him. And so McCutcheon, I mean, as a kid, I went to Three River Stadium a lot. It was always bad, you know, when I, when I watched. You know, Jason Kendall was my hero, like as, as, as a kid growing up in Pittsburgh. And then when Andrew McCutcheon came along and, you know, they started to build up something and it was all built around him, that's, that's again, why I just, I think that there is a level of importance when you resurrect something. And yep. you give people hope. Uh, you yep. know, I, I say a similar thing about Kenny Pickett with Pitt football because yep. Pitt sure. was sure. a Pitt, Pitt's been you know floating around, been decent, but 
Kenny Pickett had one year where he went ballistic. He flipped everything around. They won an ACC championship. The next year, they kind of ride that wave. They get nine more wins. And now they're pulling in all these different recruits, and they're starting to get excitement. And people are talking about, hey, could Pitt be a, a contender at some point? All because I think Kenny Pickett inspired confidence in that, in that team. I think Andrew McCutcheon is a bigger version of that for the Pirates because he did it for so long and, you know, got them to several playoffs and put them in those conversations. But – Oh, no, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. And I, th- I, th- I, I would just put a bow on it like this, Chris. I think it's two separate conversations. Like, if we're going to talk about, and to put it in Kenny Pickett terms, like, is he the best quarterback in Pitt history? No. Maybe not. You know. There's I, a guy I, named Dan Marino who might. You know, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it, it's tougher there. But you're not going to say Kenny Pickett is the best anything. But right. most important, Andrew McCutcheon, I'm not going to say, is the best pirate or is one of the the best pirates. Like, that's going to be Roberto Clemente. Willie Stargell, Dave Parker, whatever. You can have your cases. I'm not trying to prop cut up there. What I'm trying to say is most important, means the most to a group of people over time in a significant swing of the franchise. That's how I would back that up. I hear you entirely. Let's talk about the, the Pirates themselves a little bit here. They were able to pull out a win in the in the Mets series. Uh, my, uh, uh, Mitch Keller able to come in and get 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 off the schneid he had, had he'd been struggling for a little bit they win 2 to 1 they're now 34 and 30 they they beat the the, uh, the Mets 2 to 1 in the series uh here and now they get ready for a, a slate of nine straight games of NL Central play against the Cubs on the road uh three against the Cubs on the road three against the Brewers on the road and then three against the Cubs at home Jason what is your outlook of how this team has kind of bounced back from the A series and how this upcoming stretch is going to ha- is going to flow for them? Chris, I was really impressed with how they came back from the A series. Um, that had a possibility of completely torpedoing this homestand. You know, starts out with so much promise against the Cardinals and sweeping mm-hmm. three over the weekend. You lose two of three from the A's. I mean, they could have taken it to the house, packed it in, whatever you want to say, had a crappy series against the Mets, and then that's that. And they didn't. They played really good baseball. I loved what I saw from Mitch Keller yesterday. Uh, wrote about this this morning for our website, post-gazette.com. Check that out. But about Mitch Keller's start, too, and, and what he did using the cutter, reestablishing that, what that means for him. Uh, but not just that. Rich Hill pitched really well, um, got some offense where you needed it, some key bullpen performances. Anyway, what that tells me, Chris, is that this team is very much alive and kicking. Uh, They're a game ahead in first place in the NL Central, which seems crazy to say on June 12th. Um, But I am am very curious for a lot of reasons what's going to happen in Chicago and Milwaukee. I don't have a great feel on the Cubs. I don't have a great feel on the Brewers. I think that it's absurd two months into the season we've seen neither one. I think that's a flaw in Major League Baseball scheduling. But I haven't seen anything from afar that tells me that the Pirates are, you know, ill-equipped to compete in this division. They're right there. And if they're able to handle adversity, have a bad series, bounce back, do what they did against the Mets, get strong pitching, enough offense. Really like, by the way, I'm burying this, Key Brian Hayes and what he did offensively this homestand. You're getting that stuff, man, this team can compete. And again, not that this is an excuse for them or anything, because you know, they still have to compete, but they're doing this without O'Neill Cruz. Like, 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 <laughs> oh, like, oh, by the way. <laughs> like like that that guy was supposed to be the thing that we were going to watch for all right. season long be like wow look at that guy and he hasn't been there for a month and a half and it's like what is going on with this team but i'm right with you 
they they have they have stayed afloat there. They don't have to crush the, the, these next three series. They they don't have to go you know seven and two or even six and three. But if they hover around there, they stay they keep it around five hundred, five and four, four and five, even three and six. I think they still keep themselves in the conversation. Like hey, you're still within striking distance. This won't define your whole season. But if they can get a if they can get a good run here, if they can win seven games or something like that out, out of these out of these next nine against the division. They can put give themselves some distance, especially with the with the Brewers and, and everything. I think this could be really important and a chance for this young team to build some more confidence as they head into the the long the long hours of, of the summer. Yeah, and you know what worries me though, Chris, I, and this is the way I see this going, and I, I agree with you for the most part. But I don't know if I ever see them getting too out of it, which is probably the good news. Mm-hmm. I don't ever see them pulling away with anything, which is probably the bad news. Like. It's just a cluster of bleh, whatever with yeah. NL Central, man. Like, you know, there's going to be bad series. There's going to be bad stretches. If the Pirates can do what they did this week, though, and sort of pull themselves out of something quickly, I think that's what's going to be the difference here. Um, one of the things that worries me, I sort of started that thought with this idea, though, the starting pitching depth is just at a at a concerning spot, even with what they got this weekend. Like, you're going to see Osvaldo Beto in Chicago. And he's making his MLB debut, not exactly a heralded prospect, but the past two years has been a lot better. Curious to see how he fares because, frankly, they need him. Rowanzi Contreras is going to be in the bullpen and hasn't been effective as a starter. They're mm-hmm. now counting on Luis Ortiz to do a lot. Ortiz was in AAA to begin the season. You want the rest of these guys to stay healthy. You need them to stay healthy and be consistently productive. It does start with starting pitching, and I just worry whether the Pirates have enough of it at this point. We'll see if they do. They that's that that starting pitching starts off with Ortiz on the mound against a very a very familiar name, Jamison Tyon, with the Chicago mm. Cubs. But that's in Chicago, eight oh five p.m. first pitch time on Tuesday. Jason will be there on hand doing doing his duties as our Pirates beat reporter. Thanks so much, Jason, for always being here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We look forward to talking with you about how that series is going with the Chicago Cubs. And thanks to Ray Fittipaldo for his coverage of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Chris Carter, host of the North Shore Drive podcast. Thank you all for checking us out here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your favorite podcasting app on YouTube. We'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday as Steelers minicamp opens up and we start to get more looks at some of some of the guys as well as how is this how is this road trip starting for the Pirates we'll have that and more on the Wednesday episode of the North Shore Drive podcast thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette if you're watching this video on YouTube please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel for six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just six dollars click the link down below in the description 